don't get. First of all, let me say we had an amazing um, uh, anniversary on Sunday, just an amazing time. Um, I was just so richly blessed by so much that happened uh, during the weekend from prayer on Friday night to the uh, outing on Saturday and then Sunday between the mass choir and the founders and everything. It was just an amazing, amazing experience, and I, I'm just so grateful to God. I want to say thank you to all those that blessed my life in any way. I appreciate you. Thank you for those who uh, are just committed to this ministry and making it be what it's going to be. I appreciate you so very much. So I wanted to say that before um, I forgot. Amen. On tonight, I want to talk about uh, the Disciples' Foundation, the Disciples' Foundation, the Disciples' Foundation, um, because I think a lot of times when we talk about our spiritual walk, we don't actually, um, unfortunately, we don't build the right foundation in this thing called Christianity. Um, we focus on all, a lot of wrong stuff in the church that we never actually get to the foundational principles that it takes in order to build the right kind of faith that you need, okay? So what do I mean by foundation? Um, the word foundation is a term most often used in relation to buildings. Every building has a foundation. You hear all about how the foundation has to be right in order for the building or the, the house to stand. If the foundation is not set, if it's not right, the house will crumble, it will fall. Um, go to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse number 16. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse number 16. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse number 16. I got my little towel. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 16. First Corinthians 3.16, do you have it? Uh, the Bible says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Go back up to verse number 9, same chapter, 1 Corinthians 3.9. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. You are God's building. Go to Hebrews, the third chapter, verse number six. Hebrews, the third chapter, verse number six. Hebrews, the third chapter, verse number six. Hebrews three, verse number six. Have a say, amen. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house. If indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Uh, it isn't amazing that one of the terms that is not often talked about, but we have just seen in these three scriptures, that God calls God's people his house that you are the dwelling place of the presence of God. Isn't that crazy? That you are the dwelling place. What that means is, let me just put this, because I'm, I'm, I'm preaching against a culture in the church that's messed up. If you are the dwelling place of the presence of God, it means that nobody can't sing you into the spirit. You should already have it. You get that? 
okay? So it, it encourages us that we're not just any ordinary building, but we are God's building. That means, let me break this down for you, that God is interested and involved in the process of ensuring that a solid foundation is laid in our lives. He's interested and he's involved in making sure that we have a solid foundation. God does not just want you to look the part or sound the part. He wants you to be a disciple with the right foundation because it is possible to have a bad foundation on a house, but the house look real pretty. And what God is saying is that I don't need Christians who just look pretty or look the part on the outside. You know, you know how to do the jerks. You know how to do the hokamashandas. You know how to do all the little things of church. But, but that is just the outside. That's not a foundation. Because when the rains come and the storms of life happen, will you still be able to stand after the hokamashandas? It all goes back to the right foundation. Buildings are only as strong as their foundation. Let me say that again. Buildings are only as strong as a foundation. A foundation is something that is put in place first before the building is built. The problem that many Christians have is that they only come to understand the importance of the foundation long after they done got saved. Mm -hmm. You know what we do in this day and time? I love my church. Let me tell the truth. We get saved and want to go right into working in ministry. You've been saved two weeks. You want to lay hands. You've been saved three months, and now God done called you to preach. Thank you. I like that. Touch your neighbor. Dave just gave us the word from the Lord. T touch your name and say, pump your brakes, pump your brakes. How is it that you are trying to do something in ministry when your foundation hasn't even been laid yet? You don't even know how to believe God yet. And so here's the problem, and the Lord told me this. We want the experience before we learn how to be an example. We want the experience of church. So we see the preacher, and we see somebody lay hands, and they fall out. And, oh, that'll just look mystical. We, we want the experience. We want to sing. And then people just, oh, they get goose pimples from you singing. We want the experience, but we have not learned how to be an example first. Because after the experience, you still got to be an example out in the streets. This is how we got Christians who can sing heaven down in church and cuss you out on your job. Because you have learned the experience of church, but you have not learned how to be an example of the God that you say that you serve. In most cases, this means that they have built their lives in the wrong order. So they focus on stuff that they shouldn't be focused on. Uh, but thanks be to the grace of God that we can go back and rebuild our foundation to ensure our stability for the future. God never comes to you and says, oh, that, that's over. You can't do it now. No, no matter how long you've been saved. Let's be real. If we just be honest with us, we, uh, for those who have realized that you have not built a, a right foundation, for some of us, like myself, it was years after me being saved. That somewhere along life, I said, I done missed some stuff. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had that kind of experience in your spiritual walk where you looked at it and said, I done missed some stuff. Something, something, something. I'm missing it. I'm just missing it. I ain't got it. And it was not based upon looking at somebody else. You knew at the end of the day that there was something wrong with your foundation because you're just too wayward. 
You ever looked at your life and said, I shouldn't be crying, still be crying over this? Ooh, I ain't got no real folk right there that I don't want to be honest. But there's some of us that have gotten to a place where we looked at our life and say, I shouldn't still be struggling with this right here, not this. Not this. Not this? Yes, I got that. But this, I shouldn't be struggling with this. See, a foundation is actively placed. Watch this. A I'm just giving you a principle about foundation. A foundation is actively placed but hidden from public view. You cannot see the foundation of this building right now because it is hidden from public view. What do you mean by that? The word in the Bible for foundation speaks of something that is put down as the substructure of a building. This is significant because even though it is unseen, it is vitally important. It is derived from a word, the foundation, the word foundation is derived from a word which means to place, to sink down, to settle, to set, ordain, purpose, or conceive. Watch this. This does not mean that your faith is hidden. It means that your faith is intimate. Okay, let me break that down. When, I, when I'm intimate with somebody, it means that don't everybody see the intimacy that I have with that person. It's not on public display. I know this is hard because in this day and time, you think intimacy is Facebook. But the reality is that that's not, social media is not intimate. When everybody know it, it ain't so intimate anymore. And what he's saying is, is that if you're going to have a right foundation, a right kind of faith, you got to make sure that it's not that it's hidden, but it has to be intimate, that you have to know him and he knows you. Is there anybody here that say, I'm so glad I have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, that when that one can't pray for me and I can't reach the pastor and I don't know where the bishop at, I know how to call up God for myself because I have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ for myself. A faith that is developed in the dark so that it can be seen in the light. You must have a faith that is developed in the dark. You do not develop your faith on the stage. You do not develop your faith with a microphone in your hand. Anybody could do this. Well, no, not anybody, but you know what I'm saying. It does not take much faith. Faith is developed in the darkness of your life. Faith is developed in the secret time. Faith is developed not when you're on the stage, not when everybody calling your phone, not when you're around. No, faith is those intimate times. Watch this. When you're driving down the street all by yourself and you're having just some conversations with God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where, where and, you know, ain't even no radio on. It's just you and you just talking to God and just talking to him and he talking to you and y'all just having a comp. That's the faith. He, that's, faith is developed in the dark so that it can be seen in the light. I know you don't have much faith when the light hits you and you shrivel up because you have not developed in the dark. There's somebody in here under the sound of my voice. You are in the dark room. Now, I know back in the day, y'all don't remember this, but we used to have something that when you took pictures, you had to take it to the place in order for it to get developed. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, this was before Polaroids. Y'all remember Polaroid cameras? Y'all remember that? I know some of y'all, you millennials, you don't understand what I'm talking about. Let me, let me break it down. So back in the day, we had cameras that had film on the inside of it, and you had to take the film to either uh, Walgreens or, or some, some little place, or you remember the little quick stop places, the little huts, photo hut, and you had to, you had to take it to them, and, and you had to be careful. You couldn't take all, any old kind of picture because that means somebody else's eyes was on it, y'all. 
y'all ain't, y'all ain't, y'all ain't, y'all ain't with me. Y'all ain't with me. Y'all ain't with me. Because some of our iPhones ain't saved. But anyway, um, uh, the reality is that we had to take it and watch this. They had to take the film and they had to go in what they call a dark room. And a dark room would not have any light because they had to take the film and expose it in order for it to be, watch this, for it to be developed. And God is saying, I have to sometimes take you in the dark room of your life in order to deal with you, in order to develop you, in order to make you who you're going to be. I don't know who I'm talking to, but there's somebody in here that you are in the dark room of your life right now. But God said, just hold on a little while because I'm going to develop you into who you shall be. Is there anybody that's grateful that sometimes? I had to spend some nights in the dark. I had to spend some days on my job in the dark. I had to spend some seasons of my life in the dark. But when I came forth, I came forth as pure gold. When he put me in the light, God was ready and I was developed. And who I used to be ain't who I am today. I am grateful to God for the development that he had me in. See, faith is developed in the dark so that you can be seen in the light. My prayer life was developed in the dark, not on the stage. My commitment to God was developed in the dark. Not when somebody was calling you to ask you to serve on the ministry. Commitment is developed in the dark. Faithfulness is developed in the dark. Stop always looking for these wonderful conditions in order to feel that it's God. Can I tell you, just, just real talk, I told you I ain't in the weeds tonight. This is going to be real surface on tonight. Most times, uh, what you call in the devil is actually God. Hate to bust your bubble. But most times, what you think is spiritual warfare, ain't nothing but God got you in the dark room developing you. So he will put you in a hostile situation on purpose. Because he need to get that pride and that anger out of you. And he'll put somebody on your job that got more pride and more anger than you. To kill what's on the inside of you. Ooh, touch your neighbor and say, I was developed in the dark. I was developed in the dark. Uh, I didn't get this anointing on the stage. I didn't get this anointing because somebody called me to preach. No, I got this anointing when I was in the dark room of my life and I had to suffer and I had to go through and I had to turn down sin and I had to say no to what I wanted to say yes to. I need to take a pause for the cause and find out is there anybody in here that's grateful that God developed you in the dark room of your life and when you look, I need you to give your neighbor a high five and say get a good look at me now because God done did a work in me and he developed me to be who I am today and thanks be unto God that who I used to be, I ain't that no more because I had to go in the dark room of my life to be developed. Uh, he's trying to build a, a, a solid foundation in your life and you have to go through the development process. I, I don't know why I'm staying here, but I got to stay here just for a little bit because there's some of you that's trying to fight the process and he say, stay right there in the dark room. Come here, let me talk to you. When it's going to be my turn? When you get done in the dark. I, I, when I'm going to come out of this? When you get done in the dark. When, 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 when can I move from this? When you get done in the dark. And the reason why some of you are underdeveloped is because you ran out the dark room too soon. And the whole picture ain't been developed yet. But I need you to touch your neighbor and say, stay right there. Stay right there. Don't you move. Don't you run. Don't you budge. Don't you walk away. Stand flat-footed and believe that he who has begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He going to do just what he said he's going to do over your life. You got to stay right there in the dark room. solid foundation 
another principle about, about a foundation is a solid foundation can be costly to build properly. Um, most times when you talk about the expense of a house, it ain't your windows. <laughs> it ain't your, you know, your claw-fit tub. Y'all don't watch HGTV like I do. <laughs> it ain't your subway tiles. It, 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 it ain't, you know, the, the, the most expensive part, most costly part of your house is the foundation. Luke 14, verse number 27 through 30. Luke 14, 27 through 30. Luke 14, 27 through 30. <coughs> Luke 14, 27 through 30. Yes. Luke 14, 27 through 30. have it say amen and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple suppose one of you wants to build a tower won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it for if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. If you want to build the right foundation as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you must count the cost before you build. Here's the reason why the church is in such scandal today. It's because we are building, trying to build something with an exposed foundation because we ain't got enough to pay for the rest of the house. What do you mean by that, Pastor? That means if you, uh, uh, if Chantel come to me and say, I done bought me a piece of property, I'm finna build me a house. And it's over on, on Main Street. Not that Main Street, I'm just using any street. Um, and it's over on any street, USA. <laughs> and, y'all take stuff literally. Um, and I drive by the house three months. Oh, I see the foundation. Okay, she coming along. Six months. It's just the foundation. A year. It's still just the foundation. Ain't nothing else there. And I go back to Chantel and I say, Chantel, why you, what's up? What's, what's the hole up? Well, I only had enough money for the foundation. I had enough money for the, for the walls. and <laughs> I ran out of money. And the question becomes, did you count the cost before you build? Watch this. Because now you got onlookers looking. And you are not adding up to what you first professed. God help me. And the reason why so many Christians are not believable anymore is because you talk a good game, but you ain't got the finances to back up what you're saying. You didn't count the cost of what it's going to be like to be in ministry. You didn't count the cost of what it's going to be like to be married. You didn't count the cost when you said yes to God. 
Because saying yes to God might mean he going to put you in a hellacious working environment. But your yes has to be able to say, I'm willing to pay the price, whatever it takes, in order for me to have what God has for me. You got to count the cost. Having the right foundation will have you entering the race knowing that it will cost you everything for the sake of Christ. Your work demands that everything be placed on the altar of sacrifice. If you're going to build the right foundation, get ready to sacrifice. If you're going to build the right foundation as a disciple, get ready to sacrifice. Pastor, what am I sacrificing? So glad you asked. Uh, you're going to have to sacrifice your attitude. You're going to have to sacrifice your motives. You have to sacrifice your desires. You have to sacrifice your wants. You have to sacrifice. Yeah, I don't like how y'all look, looking at me right now. You have to sacrifice how you think about it. You have to sacrifice a lot. I'm talking about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about being a follower of Him. I'm not talking about okay, I like what He's saying, but I'm not really going to walk the way He wants me to walk. You have to sacrifice a lot in order to follow Jesus Christ. And the question becomes, ladies and gentlemen, are you willing to pay the price? Because you got to count the cost. So who is, our, who is our foundation? If we're building a foundation, who is our foundation? Uh, write this down. Jesus is the only sure foundation. Jesus is the only sure foundation. In order to have a solid foundation, Jesus Christ must be at the center of our lives. Everyone's life is built on something, but it's Christ at the center. Go back to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse number 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians, third chapter, verse number 9 through 11. First Corinthians 3. Verse number 9 through 11. If you have it, say amen. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace of God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Go to Acts the fourth chapter, verse number 11. Acts the fourth chapter, verse number 11. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Acts, the fourth chapter, verse number 11. Verse number 11 and 12. Acts 4, verse number 11 and 12. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. They sung that on Sunday, cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given with to mankind by which we must be saved. Christ is the only one, the only sure foundation than any other foundation in which men can put their faith in as a foundation. If you put your faith in anything else other than Christ as your foundation, you put your trust, your faith, you have built your life, listen to this, on lies and falsehoods. 
Money don't get you out of all things. I don't care how much, you know, this is the generation, everybody grinding, everybody want to make big money, you want the bag, you securing the bag, you securing the bag, you securing the bag. You can secure the bag. Ain't nothing wrong with securing the bag. Get your money. Make your money. Pay your tithes. Make your money. Pay your tithes. Make your money. Pay your tithes. You can make as much money as you want to, but if you keep living, you will discover there's some diseases money can't buy you out of. Y'all ain't with me right there. So money is not the answer to all things, to every situation in your life. Education only takes you so far. You ever met an educated fool? Connections only get you into certain doors. I don't care who that you think they know. Watch this. Because if you put your faith in all that stuff, that is lies and falsehoods. The foundation that is, is, uh, has, to, has to be only on Jesus Christ, and that is how you will be held up through anything you go through. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I need some Christian here to testify. I put my trust in Jesus, and he has never failed me. He has never let me down. Even when I was disappointed, when I looked back at it, I realized it was still all working for my good. Is there anybody in here that say, I know for myself that no matter what I go through, Jesus Christ holds me up through it all. And I'm grateful that when I put my foot on him, he has never let me down. You have to understand that Jesus Christ has to be our foundation. Let me help you real good. Your pastor is not your foundation. I will disappoint you. They don't believe that, Deidre. Your mama can't be your foundation. Your daddy can't be your foundation. They will let you down. Uh-huh, come here, young parents. Your children can't be your foundation. Keep on living. They're going to let you down real good one day. I need some parents that's been in the game for a while. They realize cute little poo-poo after a while. You look at it and say, I don't know, did I birth this? You have to be careful what you put your faith in, what you lay as a foundation. And God help me if you put your faith in your job as your foundation. I don't care how many birthday parties and celebrations they have for you. Let you say that you believe it in two weeks. And I guarantee you in three, they will replace you. The only secure foundation is Jesus Christ in this world. Right? Number two, write this down. The foundation of Christ is based on hearing and doing what he says. The foundation of Christ is based on hearing and doing what he says. Foundation of Christ is based on hearing and doing what he says. If you got that, go over to Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse number 24. Matthew 7, 24. Foundation of Christ is based on hearing and doing what he says. Matthew 7, 24.
looking at the babies and I see them, they got their earbuds in their ear and they got their things up. Okay, and I, I, I get it. What if the church had something where when the kids came in, there was something in the back of the seats that they can just put on and they can be getting Bible lessons while they're in church? That way, children are being indoctrinated with the Word of God, even while if they don't have a teacher teaching them, there's some program that's happening all at the same time simultaneously. Research that. Um, <laughs> what a difference that would make. Because they learn differently, right? You just can't. My teacher ain't listen. They ain't listen. Some of y'all do that. Um, <laughs> but what if there was something where when they came in, they knew they were going to get something, and it could be interactive, even touchscreen where they have to answer it and stuff like that. I love that. Anyway, um, the foundation of Christ is based on our hearing and doing what he says. <laughs> this is a new kind of pastor, ain't it? Matthew 7, verse number 24 through 27. Look what the Bible says. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, let the church say practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now, now I want to stop right there because I'm going to read the, the next, next part. But go back to verse number 24 because you need to see the correlation between the two. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I want you to see this. The difference between the two builders is that while, that while both heard the word, only the wise man practiced the word that he heard. Catch this. They both heard the words of Christ. They both built houses. They, they both built in a, in a near location. Both built similar houses. Watch this. But one man built his house on sand, and the other man built his house on what? The rock. One man built his house on sand. Now, what does that mean, you build your house on sand? What is Jesus trying to say? Watch this. The man that built his house on sand means he built it with little preparation. He found a spot for his house and began to build right there. I like this. Let's set up. Sand, ladies and gentlemen, is unstable. It's ever-changing and ever-moving. You ever tried to walk on sand? Ain't you shifting all over the place? Watch this. Sand offers no stability. So think about what's in your life that you've been trying to put your hope in and your trust in that offered you no stability. Think about that relationship. Help me, Jesus. That offered you no stability because you put everything that you had in that one person and they were shifty anyway. 
Sand can never provide a firm foundation. These are the people, watch this, who hear the gospel, but instead of believing the gospel and coming to faith in Jesus Christ, they believe they can build their lives on the shifting sands, watch this, of human philosophy, wisdom, and opinion. And that is the world we live in now. People are falling away from God because, watch this, they have come up with human philosophy, wisdom, and their own opinions. They are driven by outward religious appearances and faith in themselves rather than in faith in Jesus Christ. They hear the gospel and they believe its general message, but they choose to follow God, watch this, on their own terms. Mm. To them, his word is open to interpretation. somebody the other day what's the gospel and um, the gospel is Jesus Christ and most times when you ask that question what do most people say what is the gospel anybody know now not what are the gospels what is the gospel of Jesus Christ taught y'all too good because y'all didn't give me the right, the wrong answer. <laughs> gave me the right answer. I taught y'all too good. Okay, good. Praise the Lord. Most times when you ask people what is the gospel, they'll say the good news, okay, which is what gospel translates to. And most times they'll say when you ask people what is the gospel, they'll say Jesus loves everybody. And um, they'll say that he has a purpose for your life. That is not the gospel. That's not the gospel. Because now we have interpreted this Jesus to be a, a loving everybody even when you in sin. So if he loves everybody even when you're in sin, he loves you so much that he looks beyond your sin and he doesn't care anymore about your sin. Did you see how that trick just happened just that quick when you listen to that? And so now they've equated to Jesus to be uh, based upon their own interpretation when the book is clear. Okay. If he commands them to do something, they will obey it if they choose to. They don't like it, they ain't doing that part. Watch this. They build their house, it's church people too, listen to this. They build their house of their lives on self-will, self-fulfillment, self-sufficiency, self-satisfaction, and self-righteousness. Do you see a theme through all that? Self. Self. People build on the sand. Watch this, because it's easy. Isn't it amazing how you will play in the sand quicker than you'll play in the dirt? Never thought about that before, did you? You ain't, I, if, I, if I ask you to go outside and go get in the dirt right now, you're going to look at me like I'm crazy. Dirt. But if we was at the beach and I say, let's build a sand castle, come on, bring me a bucket. Because people build on the sand because it's easy. It requires little effort. Just a little change here and a little change there. And they can fool themselves and, 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 they, and they, they think that they are right with the Lord. A life built on the sand, listen to this, requires no commitment, no sacrifice, and no faith. 
And Jesus makes it very clear that you are not to build your life on the sand. But the other one, watch this, build his life on what? The rock. In other words, he had to dig deep into the ground to build his, his house. He dug until he reached the bedrock and built his house on the rock. The rock does not move. The rock is unchanging. The rock is stable. The rock offers a good foundation for a house. Building on the rock speaks of people who hear the gospel and believe it to the point that they build their lives on it. Rock builders hear his word and receive it with all their hearts. Rock builders hear his word and they conform their lives to what they heard. And the problem with the saints now is there is no conformity anymore. We won't conform into the image of Christ. We want to conform the image of Christ into us. And God is saying, no, you need conformity. You need to change that mind. You need to change your behavior. You need to say no to the sin. Touch your neighbor and say, say no to it. 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 I know you want it. Say no to it. I know you're so settled into it that you think it's okay, but say no to it. You got to fight. I said, you got to fight. I, I'm going to talk to somebody real after a while. You got to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight. I said, you got to fight. I said, you got to fight. I said, you got to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight the thoughts. You got to fight the feelings. You got to fight the emotion of it. You got to fight it. You got to fight it. Sometimes you got to fight memories. God help me right there. You got to fight the memory that takes you back to the place that makes you feel some type of way. Come on. You got to fight it. You got to fight it. You got to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You got to make sure that you cast down all imaginations and anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. You got to fight it because if you don't fight it, then what you're saying is, God, I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it. Sometimes you got to fight it. Y'all want me to call it. I got. I feel like I got to call it. You got to fight. Uh -huh. You got to fight what comes out your mouth. You got to fight it. You got to fight the thought of let me say what I want to say because if I say it, I feel better in the moment. Like You got to fight it. You got to fight. I got this good piece of gossip and I want to call somebody real quick. You got to fight that thing. I'm the only one? Okay. Y'all going to act like I'm the only one. You got to fight it. You got to fight the phone call that comes at 2 o'clock in the morning. I say, you got to fight it. I say, you got to fight it. I say, you got to fight it. You got to fight the DM that comes in your box. Come on. You got to fight it. You got to fight it. You have to fight with everything inside of you because at the end of the day, is there anybody here that say, I really want to please God. I want God to smile on me. I want God to be pleased with my life. I want God to smile on my worship and on my praise and I can't live the life that I want to live. I got to live the life he wants me to live got to conform to his image. You got to conform that when he could retaliate, he didn't because he knew it was a bigger purpose for his life. You got to conform to the fact that he could have came off that cross, but he stood right there because he knew there was a whole lot of people tied to what he was doing on that cross. You have to conform. So do all Christians have this foundation in their lives? Do all Christians have this foundation in their lives? No. They don't. Unfortunately, they don't. Doesn't mean they don't know Jesus. Doesn't mean that they haven't, they have not received salvation. But the reality is you can receive salvation and not have a foundation. Okay? Um, why do they not have this foundation? Write this down. Number one, they, there are many who know what to do, but do not do it. You know what to do, but you don't do it.
this Jesus right through here. You, 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 okay, let's just be real. You knew that. Don't you do that. But you did it anyway. Watch this. Have the Lord ever delivered you? And you said, God, if you get me out of this, I'll never do it again. And he got you out. And then weeks later, you got amnesia. As if you didn't pray that first prayer. I ain't got no real people tonight. Romans, the first chapter, verse number 32. This freedom, we got to talk real around here. Romans, the first chapter, verse number 32. Lord, if you get me out of this, I will never, I'll never do it again. God, if you help me pay this bill right through here, I'm going to do right next time. And before that money hit that account, it was already spent. Romans 1, 32. Romans 1, verse number 32. You have a say, amen? Although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Isn't it amazing how the mercy you won't extend to the sin you don't do is so easily extended to the sin you do do. I got to get up on that one. I'm sorry. I'm going to sit down. I just had to get up. That thing hit me real hard right there. See, he's talking about Christians that know the right and wrong and choose to do wrong. But then if you look at this in another translation, what he's literally saying is that you do the wrong and then you encourage others to do the wrong as well. Okay. So, um, what I've discovered is sometimes our need to be liked is so great, so much greater than those we say we love, we don't hold them accountable. So uh, this, light, this is a light, light thing. So your friend comes to you and says, okay, I'm going on this diet. I need you to hold me accountable. And then you're the one who got a little extra money and you pick up the phone, tell me, so let's go over to and get us something to eat. The, the, the person you're trying to hold accountable. Because, watch this, watch this. I know this is light, but understand the principle. Because when you sin together, and God is saying, how offensive is that, that not only do you do wrong, but you bring other people in your folly as well? Um, I was always taught, be careful of people that will sin with you. Because the same people that will sin with you will sin against you. I could go so left right there. But the Lord is saying no. So I'm going to hear his voice. I think it was a little bit too left. Yes. Progressive sanctification. 
Watch this. It, it's, we would rather be liked than to hold those we say we love accountable. You see that? So we have to get to this place where um, we don't sin, but if we do sin, we don't approve of those that practice it with us. Because sometimes familiar spirits will keep you in bondage. The reason why you ain't free from it is because you keep hanging around the same people that approve of it. This thing whipping me. See, I don't just, I'm not, I'm not preaching it from just giving it to you. While it's going to you, it's coming through me as well. I need you to understand that. And so that, that just hit me real, real hard. There's some relationships you need to cut off because they are keeping you in bondage because they approve of the sin because they're doing the sin that you do as well. And the reason why you won't get free from it is because you won't let go of the connection that's there. Because if don't nobody see it as offensive, then no, nobody will ever change. God help me. <sighs> Matthew 23. Matthew 23, verse number one. Look at your neighbor and say, keep me accountable. Keep me accountable. Matthew 23. Matthew 23, verse number 1. Matthew 23, verse number 1. If you have a say, amen. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do, you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Y'all thought that was from somewhere else? Yeah, okay, that's, from, that's Jesus, okay? He taught, that's the Lord, all right? They, verse number four, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads, and put them on other people's shoulder, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. That's heavy. In this season of this church of discipleship, there is a heavy sense of accountability that needs to happen in this church. That means you can't live your life isolated as a, long, as a lone ranger. You have to connect with other people that can hold you accountable and question your life without you walking up in offense about it. Do you, do you see that? Do you see that? Um, in, 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 this, in this season, um, the Lord had just been really dealing with me about my... Um, propensity to be all by myself, right? And so I have told myself all these years, oh, I could, you know, I could be by myself. I could be bad all by myself, you know. And so, you know, the crazy stuff that we tell ourselves to, to uh, justify our dysfunction. And so the Lord pushed me and pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And he says, you need some people that you can unveil yourself in front of. Trusted people that you have seen can be trusted, that you can be naked and not afraid, okay? And so the Lord pushed me and he, he told me who. And I went to these people and um, unveiled myself. And they didn't blink an eye, they didn't even flinch. And I'm like, you know what I just told you? 
I'm like, okay. But now it has put me in the zone of being accountable because now they have to come back and question me about what I told them. And I can't get offended because I'm the one who opened my mouth. You know, that's what I understand about social media. You mad because people talking about you, but you put it out there. I don't understand that, but anyway. You need people, freedom, hear your pastor. You need people in this season to hold you accountable. You just got married uh, less than five years. You need to be accountable to another married couple in this church that's been married more than 10. They need to come to you and check you and say, hey, how are you with treating your wife? How are you with honoring your husband? And not you walk around, I don't need all these people in my business. Well, get ready for divorce. Because you need somebody that can hold you accountable and look at you and say, listen, you need to get yourself together. I know y'all don't like this kind of talking right there. You single? You single, saved, and sexy? I am done with this front row. Did you hear what she said? <laughs> Joni talking about something. That's me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That shut me all the way down. <laughs> Listen, you single, you saved, and you sexy. You need some other single person. Who live in the life? I say, who live in the life? I say, who live in the life that can come to you and keep you accountable, and not you have to lie. Oh, I ain't calling back. You's a liar. I know you lying. You know how I know you lying? Cause I see his spirit on you. So now we got to pray against the fornication and the lying that you done picked up along the way. See, y'all don't like that kind of accountability, but you want to live right before God. You need accountability in life. Right. Number two. What was number one? Read back my number one again. Okay, here's number two. There are many who have ears but do not hear. many who have ears but do not hear go to Matthew the 13th chapter verse number 10 through 14 Matthew 13 10 can I tell you another thing about having accountability partners they don't need to be your friend I don't need to sit on the phone with you every day for two hours. They don't need to be your friend. Matthew 13, verse number 10 through 14. Matthew 13, 10 through 14. I want you to go to it, and I'm going to give you some context for the text, okay? The disciples in this text are having trouble figuring out why Jesus, watch this, changed his style of teaching. 
so when you're reading this, it's on the back, it's on the heels of they have a problem because Jesus has changed his style of teaching. Up until this time, his teaching was very clear. Now he starts teaching in parables where the truth is hidden. Because he's trying to raise their consciousness to the next level. Okay? He wants you to think about your faith. He don't want you just regurgitating stuff. He wants you to process through it. That's why in this church, I love when you think. Because I don't need you to think like I think. I just need you to think. Okay? The religious leaders were not open to Jesus' teaching. They had now accused Jesus, watch this, of having a demon and doing his work under the inspiration of Satan. Because he changed the style of teaching. That's how church people are. You know, Pastor, I was all right when you were talking about relationships in Holland every Sunday, but now you just sit down on this chair and you talk about discipleship. I don't, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's not hitting me no more. I, I don't, you know, I want to, I, I need some inspiration. I need to feel better by the time I leave here. Okay. Jesus experienced the same thing because he didn't change the style of teaching. Before it was just saying it straight out. Now he's giving these parables. Now he wants you to think through it. And they accused him of having a demon <laughs> and doing his work under the inspiration of Satan. Let me get translation. Church people, they just ain't got it no more. I think the anointing is gone. Like you the anointing mod mod monitor. Jesus warned the religious leaders about committing the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and then changed his manner of teaching. So Matthew 13, verse number 10, look at it. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, watch this, because the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is filled the prophecy of Isaiah. And here's what Isaiah said. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but not perceiving. You, in other words, what he's saying is you have ears but you don't hear. It's just like, um, you know, when you call that child, And they act like they don't hear you. And then when you call, when you call a name, watch this. Or you tell them something, and what's their response? Huh? And I was always taught if you can, you can, okay. Now before you think I'm talking about your children, let's talk about you on Sunday. That when the word is coming forth. And it's time to respond to the word. You, huh? Pay your tithes, huh? Stop shacking, huh? Stop with the unfaithfulness, huh? And God is saying to us, if you can, huh, you can hear. Are you letting the words of the living God push past your ears to hit your heart, your mind, and your spirit? Or is it just something you listen to and you wait for the parts that you like? 
What was number one? What's number two? Here's number three. It's long. Y'all ready? There are those that deceive themselves by believing Those that deceive themselves by believing, y'all got that? That receiving the word is the same as living the word. Uh-huh. There are those deceive themselves by believing that receiving the word is the same as living the word. Y'all got that? James 1. There are those that deceive themselves by believing that receiving the word is the same as living the word. James the first chapter. Verse number 22. Are y'all getting something from this? James 1, verse number 22 through 25. James 1, 22 through 25. Okay. Y'all got it? Do not merely, James 1, 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what he have heard, what they what he have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. He says, when you don't when you listen to the word, but you don't put it into practice, it is like you looked at yourself in the mirror, walked away, and then forgot what you look like. In other words. Uh, when you look in the mirror, you see the imperfections. But when you walk away and don't do the word, what the word says, you forget the imperfections are there. Because if you remember the imperfections, you'll try to work on the imperfections. Do you see that? When we only hear the word, but we do not practice the word, the Bible says we deceive ourselves. We think that knowing is the same thing as doing. Watch this. When we only hear the word, but we do not put it into practice, then we forget the word easily. And lastly, we do not receive the blessing of obedience to the word. He's saying, you are getting amnesia with my word because you don't put it into practice. It goes in your ear, you listen to it, but you don't struggle through it. Because what you struggle through, you will remember. Come on, anybody remember that class in college that you, it whipped you coming and going? 
you remember it to this day. You remember every struggle you had to go through in order to have, in order to get through it. Because when you struggle through it, you will remember it. And God is saying, when you hear my word, you got to now struggle through it because now it becomes a part of you. Do you see that? Okay. All right. Um, so let me, let me kind of move. Uh, let me move from this. What serves as a basis for our foundation being laid? What serves as a basis for our foundation being laid. So if we're going to lay our spiritual foundation, what is the basis of that? The basis for our, our foundation is our personal relationship to Christ. How we respond to the commands of Christ indicate our relationship to him. So my question to you is, what kind of relationship do you have with Jesus? Is he your friend? He's, is, he, is Jesus your homeboy? Is he your brother? Is he your personal servant? Is he your spiritual bellhop is he your spiritual santa claus because your relationship with him will determine how you respond to him if you go into a fancy restaurant right now and i mean a fancy hotel right now and you got your bags and you get out the car and the bellman comes up to you and he says, do you need help with your bag? Uh, I'll never forget, I went to Vegas um, one time, stayed at a, a hotel, and they had the, the bell, bellmen's, what else they call, concierge, or what are they call? Yeah, concierge. And um, I, I, I was at the, um, this hotel, and, and they were like, can I help you with your bag? And in my head, I said, I ain't got no money. <laughs> so if you so you gonna do it, you gonna have to do it for free. And I'm like, well, I know these people gotta eat too, so. I was like, no, I got it. And one time I went to Puerto Rico, stayed at a real nice hotel in Puerto Rico. Real nice hotel. Um, and I knew where I was going, so I had me some money. And I got out, and they said, do you need help with your bags? Now, when I was in Vegas, I told them no, because I ain't had no money. But when I was in Puerto Rico, I said, sure, come on. Yeah, get all that. And they, they got it, and I'm checking in, and... I looked around and said, where my, where my bags at? And they were like, oh, the, the bellman took, the concierge took care of it. I said, okay. And so went up to the room, opened the door, and my stuff was already there. And I said, oh, this is service. Look at this. Watch this. I never saw the person again. They took care of it for me. So the rest of the trip, I wasn't thinking about concierge anymore because I got what I needed and I was satisfied and that's how some of us treat God as long as I get what I needed I ain't thinking about you no more so watch this so I got my check on Friday but I ain't coming to church on Sunday he got me out of that situation that I put on Facebook I need everybody to pray for me but I ain't gonna be committed to the ministry because I got what I needed, and I really ain't thinking about him. And my question to you, ladies and gentlemen, is how much is he really on your mind? God help me. Because if he's really on your mind, and you have a real relationship with him, he can wake you up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you can say, what do you want, Lord? I'm right here. Number one, it should be a relationship of love. It should be a relationship of love. 
He's going to be your foundation. Number one, it should be a relationship of love. Write this down. You have to turn to it. John 14 and 15. John chapter 14, verse 15. You're going to learn scripture on tonight. You ain't got to turn to it. You ready? John 14 and 15. This is what it says. Repeat after me. If you love me, keep my commandments. What does John 14 and 15 say? You know some other than Jesus well. If you love me, keep my commandments. It should be a relationship of love. Because when you love somebody, you are willing to bend your will to meet their wishes. I know you don't love me when I've asked you not to do something and you keep doing it. Number two, it should be a relationship of sheep to shepherd. It should be a relationship of sheep to shepherd. Go to John, the 10th chapter, the gospel according to John, the 10th chapter. John 10, verse number 26 through 27. Davin, can you get a battery ready for me, please? Thank you. It's about to go out. It should be a relationship of sheep to shepherd. John 10, verse number 26 through 28. If you have a say, amen. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Watch this. The shepherd leads the sheep. So if your relationship with Jesus Christ is you're building the right foundation, it means he has the ability to lead you and guide you and direct you into what he wants you to do. If he leads you to put $20 in somebody's hand, you don't look at the fact that, oh, I was going to use this $20 to get me something to eat. Because he is your, he is your shepherd and you are the sheep. He, his rod and his staff, they lead you and direct you. And they correct you. Do you see that? It should be a relationship to sheep to shepherd. Number three, it should be a relationship of a of lordship and obedience should be a relationship of lordship and obedience Matthew, the eighth chapter, verse number eight. It should be a relationship of lordship and obedience. Here's what I've discovered about the saints. We don't mind him being savior. We got a problem when he becomes Lord. So savior, rescue me out. 
Lord, you call the shots. He's just not Savior. He wants to be Savior and Lord. Okay? It should be a relationship of lordship and obedience. Matthew, the 8th chapter, verse number 8 through 10. Y'all have it? The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Jesus encounters this man who has authority, who has power. And he's saying, wherever I can say to my servants, go, and they got to go. I can tell them to jump. They say, how high? But what this man comes to Jesus and says, watch this. I am now under your authority. You are my Lord. So whatever you tell me to do is what I'm going to do. And what God is saying is that if you're going to have the right foundation, he has to be Lord over your life. If he tells you to go to the left, you go to the left. If he tells you to go to the right, you go to the right. If he tells you to shut up. If he tells you to sit down, sit down. If he tells you to work, work. Watch this. And if he tells you to work and he don't tell you to stop working, that means you keep on working. Because he's Lord over your life. Do you see that? So it has to be a relationship of lordship and obedience. You've got to obey. Number four, and I'm done, it should be a relationship of discipleship. What does that mean? It means not only do, is he lord, not only do you obey, but here's the next level. Discipleship means you are a learner. You are always in the posture of learning. That the Lord can teach you something new. That he can teach you every single day of your life. You are a disciple. Watch this. This is important because the Lord needs to teach you how to do what he's called you to do. He got to teach you how to be a wife. He got to teach you how to be a husband. He got to teach you how to be a parent. He got to teach you how to be a faithful servant to him. He got to teach you. And so God is saying, if, if we're going to have this relationship and lay the foundation that you need to have, you must learn to be a disciple. You must learn to be a learner. That you always in a posture of God, whatever you're trying to show me something in this, let me learn it. How many of you are in this place in your life like me where I don't have time to repeat seasons anymore? So I got to learn the lesson the first time. I don't want to keep going through the same thing over and over again so that I can learn the same lesson. I want to learn it the first time so I can graduate to the next level. Touch your neighbor say, in this next season, you getting ready to graduate. Why? Because you ain't going to be stuck on stupid anymore. You're going to learn it the first time. You're going to obey his will. You're going to obey his word. You're going to follow what he says and his direction and his leading. And you're going to learn it the whole way. Reason why he's going to bring you to a wealthy place is because you're going to learn how to manage a little money. I don't know who that was for, but you're going to learn how to manage little money so he can graduate you to big money. Come on, is there anybody in here that say, I'm going to be a learner in this season? You're going to keep a friend because you're going to learn how to keep your mouth closed. Yeah. 
Everybody say, I'm learning. That's what the right foundation is about, ladies and gentlemen. God wants us to have the right foundation when it comes to our spirituality. He wants to have the right foundation when it comes to our faith. Stop putting your trust in stuff that's going to let you down. Make sure you have the right foundation and you develop that foundation in Jesus Christ. That he becomes your Lord. That he becomes, you become a disciple. That you are obedient to what he says and you listen to his voice. He wants you to have the right foundation so that when the rains come and they come in and when the winds blow and they gon' blow that you don't get knocked to the side but you still standing you know what I'm grateful about this season I believe that God is building something in freedom that 30 years from now y'all still gonna be standing you gonna still have your trust in God you ain't gonna walk away so easily and while other people are taking pills and blowing their brains out and going through depression, you're going to be standing flat-footed and believe that the same God that got me out the last time is the same God that's going to get me out this time, and he's going to take care of me. Is there anybody in here that say, I'm going to have that kind of hold on God that nothing will be able to shake me out of his hand? That's what I believe he's building in this season and this time, and I'm grateful to God. All right? Did you get something from this on tonight? Amen. Amen. Any questions? Any questions? No propitiation tonight. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> to appease, to satisfy. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank God for notes, Monica. Thank God for notes. <laughs> she told me for, to appease. Amen. All right. Um, listen, um, um, just a couple of quick announcements. On Sunday, we're going to be celebrating our, our youth and um, even adults as well. If they did um, good in, in, in a report card, praise the Lord. Amen. So we're going to be doing that on Sunday. Um, and we're going to be celebrating birthdays of the second quarter as well. So you want to make sure you um, are here on Sunday. Um, huh? What's your birthday?